you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Half Step Pod. I'm your co-host, Connor Lane, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Grant Fisher. Grant, back in the States. Yeah, what's up? I'm back in the U.S. Um, I'm actually in my apartment, which is a welcome change. Um, I think we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but since uh, January 1st, I've spent about five or six weeks in Portland, actually, at my own my own place, so... It feels good to be back. Nice to be back in my like, just just back in my own place, back in the U.S. Like, get to read signs that are in, in English and stuff. So, that's always a plus. And um, yeah, yeah, just trying to adjust back to this time zone, man. I've been struggling. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that before we pressed record. I obviously we're gonna get to breaking down the five k, maybe the ten k, in more in depth. But I'd imagine that the whole process of leaving the village after the, after the five k final. Um, is just kind of a draining, draining deal. And especially the time change coming back just because it's it's like 17-hour you know, forward or whatever, I guess eight-hour backwards time. It seems like a very difficult one to recover from. I know you're still dealing with it. Yeah, it's um, yeah the time change is weird. I've never jumped that many time zones before. Um, that was the longest flight I've ever been on. Yeah, the travel back was, wasn't too bad. Um, my flight ended up getting delayed out of... Narita, which is one of the airports that Tokyo has. And we were delayed maybe like two, three hours on the front end. Um, so I missed my connection in San Francisco, um, had to rebook and ended up getting back to Portland. Um, it was, it was kind of weird. I had, I'd been traveling for, let's see, just about 24 hours at that point. Um, I left the village on the 7th um, at 1 p.m., and I landed back in the U.S. on the 7th at about like 6 p.m., um, 24 hours of travel later. So kind of kind of feels like you time travel when you cross an international dateline. But yeah, I was I was excited to get home for sure. Um, had a great experience at the Olympics. But, you know, there's, there's something to be said about like being back in your own bed, like back in a familiar environment and all that. So definitely happy to be home. Am I hearing correctly that you were laid over in SF and didn't talk? <laughs> Yeah, maybe you weren't in a position to hang. Maybe the whole like twenty hours into a twenty-four hour t- travel day, maybe it got to you. But is that what I'm hearing? You're just chilling in SFO. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. I I wasn't in a state to like do anything totally beyond just like walk to the gate. I was so tired. Um, <laughs> yeah, I flew out the so we raced the final of the five k the night of the sixth, um, and then I flew out like the seventh just just afternoon. So. Um, I wasn't operating off much sleep to begin with. And then the whole staying up for 24 hours thing. And like, I was still in San Francisco at that point. Like it wasn't even in Portland. Uh, yeah, man, I was, I was running on fumes a little bit. Uh, so I hope you understand. <laughs> uh, I mean, just this once, just this once <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's okay. But next time, man, I don't even know. I guess, I mean, I don't really know where to dig in. It feels like so much has happened since we last talked. Uh, you know, we were able to get that brief little one in on the 10K uh, before your computer died, which, update, the computer did eventually die in Tokyo with 
just there was never a uh, a charger an outlet procured any sort of adapter and it just it just died and we were just that was what we were dealing with yeah yeah i i probably should have planned better with that i should have gotten an adapter um <laughs> but yeah the, the laptop slowly perished um but it's all juiced up now we're we're at 100 percent with these uh u.s outlets so um yeah we're, no laptops dying from here on out Nothing like a good American outlet to, to, to get things backfire inappropriately. But I guess, you know, if we were going to start somewhere, and I, I do want to hear kind of about the second half of just being at the game, so we should probably start with the 5K prelim, which was August 3rd, uh, just, what, three or four days after the 10K final. Um, how were you feeling? I mean, you were really tired when we did our last recap pod. Fa- fairly so. How were you feeling? How did stuff kind of move transition as you got closer to the 5k prelim and how are you feeling like the morning of yeah um so we didn't have much time between the 10k final and the 5k uh semi um much less time than i had at the olympic trials uh when when we qualified to 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 make the team so um we knew it was going to be tight um yeah when i spoke to you i was i was exhausted um that 10k took a lot out of me i've i've never been beat up like that after a race before um which is kind of weird like i've i've run faster races from the gun i've run all-out races from the gun um for some reason whether it was the heat and the humidity just the stage like the mental and emotional effort that went into it whatever reason i was i was fried after that 10k um i remember we did strides uh I think the day before the semi, uh, me and all the guys just trying to clean up the legs and kind of try to feel some pop again. And I was breathing so hard at the end of the strides. We were just running a hundred meter strides. Um, and I was talking to Mo, I think, and I was like, dude, it feels like I'm at altitude right now. Like that's how I was breathing at the end of these strides. So, uh, I don't think the aerobic system was fully recovered going into the, uh, the semi, um, each day I was feeling better though. Um, there are plenty of people that were going to double the 10 and five as well. So in the field. So, um, I knew I wasn't the only one in the situation, but, um, yeah, it was, it was day to day. I was feeling better each day. Um, but that 10 K certainly took a toll. Um, it, it beat me up pretty bad. So going, going into this, I mean, going into this 5k prelim, you, are in heat two, which is typically beneficial. Do you have an expectation of, of what that heat might break down into, uh, depend, based on the guys that were in there? I mean, Kiplimo, Cheptegei, Paul, a lot, of, a lot of the top guys were definitely in your heat. Were you, like, what was the race plan going in? Yeah, um, you know, we looked at the heats. They typically come out the day before uh, you race. And um, I was in heat two. Um, I thought heat two was quite loaded with guys. Um, a lot of guys that have run under 13 this year um, had the world record holder in there. Um, some some very accomplished runners, um, guys that have had medals before. So um, I knew it was going to be a, a good heat. We had the advantage of being the second heat. Um, and the qualification system at the Olympics is top five in each heat and then the next five fastest times. So being in the second heat, you, you hope that everyone sees what the first heat runs and then we just run a little quicker and we get 10 guys from our heat into the final, um, which is almost what happened. I think we ended up getting nine in uh, from our heat maybe. 
Um, you got all the little oh, cubes. Never mind. Then we got all 10. Was- um, so in a 15-person heat, two-thirds of the people could potentially qualify. So we certainly had an advantage there. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. You're you're going to have to kick pretty hard. Um, yeah, it, maybe people could ease up the last like 50 meters, but you're still going to have to work for these qualification spots. It's, it's the Olympic games um, and, and people bring their A game. So um, whether you're in the, the first heat or the second heat, it was going to be hard. Um, so yeah, um, definitely approached my heat just thinking like, okay, top five is ideal. Um, but keep an eye on the clock because if we're clearly running way faster than the first seat, maybe I don't have to fight it out for the top five and, and maybe just, you know, coast on in for sixth or seventh um, and grab those time qualifiers. But if I'm going to do that, I need to be very confident that I have my math correct, <laughs> that we're on the correct pace <laughs> and we'll actually run faster. Well, that's interesting because do you remember our conversation after the prelim of the 5k at the trials where we basically talked about that exact thing i, I do and remember you said you said that you would never do i that. know i know i did say that <laughs> you said that you would never if there is a big queue and you could just get it and take care of it then you would probably never do that now i guess the difference is like knowing that the sixth place finish in heat one was thirteen thirty nine, and that for you that is not a very quick time you 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 really had like a pretty solid mark of okay you know, if I'm if I'm running faster in thirteen thirty nine, I'm in the top ten in my heat. That means I'm going to qualify. But I just, I just I remember seeing the results of the prelim. I remember like watching the end of the race and being like, because you know, I don't want to skip over the almost falling part of it, which we're we're going to have to get to. But you definitely let your foot off the gas that last two hundred. And I remember my first reaction being, is Grant okay? Because we had talked about like you fighting for big cubes this whole time and then you kind of eased up and it didn't look like you were in you were definitely like working but it didn't work like you were like overwhelmed or in so much pain so i was like what the why did he i mean he's he's good he's safe but that's just not what i thought he would ever do yeah i remember that conversation um and actually a, a lot of factors played into um just going in like for fifth through tenth rather than fighting for that top five as i normally would um one would be that I was just really tired. Um, and, uh, in the race I could tell I was like fatigued, um, more fatigued than maybe if I were fresh. Um, I could tell that the 10 K was still sitting in my legs and, um, I knew if, if I was to qualify for the final, like I needed to save as much energy as I could because I was already kind of in a deficit, um, just because of that. So, um, we luckily were running about 10 seconds faster than the other race, the whole race. Um, and so you could look at the clock very easily and say, okay, um, we've got a mile to go. I only need to close in this, uh, to beat those time qualifiers. Um, with a lap to go, I looked up and was like, okay, as long as I don't close in like 70 here, I'm going to be a time qualifier. And well, did you know your group was at a certain number of racers yes. too? Because the other factor is that you're outside your own top 10. Right. Yeah. So at, maybe like two laps to go, maybe 600 to go. I looked up and, and looked around and counted. And we had, I think eight people in our pack, maybe nine. Um, and so that was reassuring that, you know, there weren't like 12 or something fighting for 10 spots. Um, so I knew we had broken away. Um, someone had said something maybe with like 250 to go. Um, it might've be. I think it was, uh, 
Andy Butchard, uh, he said something like, there's, there's nine of us or eight of us, we're good. Um, and so after checking that stuff out, realizing I was going to make it on time, um, Doing some quick just math. generally being fatigued, um, not really wanting to like throw down an all out effort. Um, and then also there was a the factor of my calf was kind of messed up. Um, and I knew that and, you know, I could feel it. Um, and it wasn't something that I wanted to have like a hard gear change on. I didn't like, I didn't have confidence in it to sprint on it. Um, like I could, I could move fairly quickly on it, but I didn't want to just like do the gear change that I would have needed to, to stay in that top five and potentially really mess up this calf. So, um, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, like I said, it's, it's not an ideal situation to kind of be in the position where you're banking on a time qualifier because it is risky. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I, I think it was the right decision. Um, looking back, like, you know, obviously it worked. I, I qualified, um, didn't have to expend too much energy. My calf didn't completely blow up. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, making it through is the most important thing. So, um, yeah, here, here we are after, after <laughs> saying that I wasn't going to do that. I, I take it back, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Just some inside scoop for the podcast. That was actually just completely false. Like maybe potentially trying to throw off the other <laughs> racers in the field. We, we don't know if, if Katir or Paul was listening to the half step pod and was like, where the hell is Grant? He said, <laughs> he said he'd always be up here in the top five and if he could, and now, now look at him. This is, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit of misdirection there. Um, exactly. yeah, Just a little bit of a head fake, but, um, <laughs> Well, the other, the other big thing in this prelim was this like almost fall thing that happens with, and I, and forgive me if I don't remember exactly, but was it like three laps to go, two to go? Yeah, somewhere around there. Talk, talk me through what that was. Uh, was that responsible for the calf? No, no. The, the, the almost fall thing, it, it was just like stuff happens when you're in a pack. Um, when you're fighting with other guys, it's choppy. It's You accelerate, you decelerate really quickly and... Um, if you want to defend your position, you kind of have to run pretty closely behind the person, uh, directly in front of you. Um, and because of that, your legs get tangled. Sometimes people are moving inside, outside. Um, everyone has a different stride pattern, um, a different cadence that they're running. Even if they're running the same speed, like their, their actual leg cadence might be a little different. Um, and so when you move inside and outside, sometimes you, you clip up, um, and kind of lose your balance quite a bit. Um, yeah, I mean that, that was not responsible for my calf. Um, but you know, you, you gotta stay on your feet. Um, you know, this championship, it, it seemed like a decent amount of people that fell got advanced through to finals, um, just on protests and stuff, but that's, that's never something that you want to like count on. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me you're in there like thinking if I just lay down right now, like start to get tripped up and it's like, well, if I just kind of lay down, a few yeah, high, high <laughs> risk there. there's no way at the Olympics that you're going to be risking that. And I think, I mean, I don't think you ever think that like, that'd be such an insane thought to have mid, mid, mid almost fall to be like, Oh, well, it's probably fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Glad you did stay up on your feet and got through. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, in these races, you know, things happen so quickly. Um, and sometimes all you can do is just like react as best you can. And, um, when you get tripped up, like stumble a little bit, kind of like snaps you to attention. 
Um, especially if like you're kind of in a point in the race where you're just trying to like find a rhythm. Um, and it, it's not like it rattles you when, when you get clipped up and, and all that, but it definitely like jolts, jolts you to attention. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in championship races, tactical races at every level that I've run at, um, it's, it's just clippy. Like there, there's no way around it. I don't think anyone's doing anything on purpose. Um, that's just the nature of it. So, um, yeah, it happens at every level, but yeah, to, to go back to your question, um, that, that did not set off my calf. Um, the calf situation is actually like, it was actually quite frustrating at the time. Um, I was warming up for the semi and at, at these Olympics, I don't know how it is in, in typical Olympics. The only place to warm up that you're allowed is the track. So you're doing loops kind of in lane eight while sprinters are warming up in lanes like two through six and then there's hurdlers warming up in another lane like long jumpers warming up on the infield it's a super busy track but um i was jogging by myself uh in lane eight getting ready for my prelim because all of my bowerman teammates were in the first heat so i was the only one in, in the second heat um and i just maybe eight minutes into my jog i i just felt this twinge in my calf um, and it was certainly familiar. I've, I've tweaked my calf before I've strained it before, and it was pretty much in the same spot. Um, it was at the lateral part of my gastroc, um, kind of, kind of low down where the gastroc, the gastral head, I guess, kind of ends. Um, and I could feel it just seize up and, and start pulling. Um, and it was, a, it was a familiar feeling, unfortunately. And, uh, I knew kind of what it meant because, I've, I've had that, that stuff before. I've had that exact thing before. So I immediately stopped the warm up, went over to our team camp, um, told Jerry that, you know, I just tweaked my calf. Um, don't know how bad it is, but I, I need to get on the, the massage table. So hop on the table. Um, our PT Colleen Little is there and she kind of gets into it a little bit, quickly cups it, um, and then scrapes it. And, we're, we're kind of on a tight schedule because uh, you get you get taken to a call room about 30 or 40 minutes before your event. Um, and once you're there, you're kind of locked in. Uh, they usher you into the stadium and you go through all this, this process to get you onto the track. But if you're not there within five minutes of, of your call room opening, um, they're not going to let you run, basically. So I needed to sort it out and I had about, I had about 20 minutes to sort it out. Um, so I was kind of in panic mode. Um, Colleen does what she can and she's kind of like, all right, uh, jog a little bit again and see how it feels. So I jog again and it feels worse. Um, it's even more just like tight and grabby. Um, it's like a Charlie horse kind of, um, and at that point I knew I, I tweaked it. Uh, I'd certainly strained it. And went back to the team camp, got on the table again, was just like, Colleen, please do something. Um, fix my calf. You have, we, we have 10 minutes, basically. You have 10 um, minutes, yeah. Fix my so calf. she works on it again. And um, I talked to Jerry and he's kind of like, hey, should you race? Like, let's be smart here. Um, we've already had a 10K. Um, it went really well. There's no need to get greedy and like tear your calf in half, basically. Um, and so I'm trying to assess with Colleen quickly how 
bad it is and how much worse I can make it. Like it, I was trying to figure out, is it realistic that I rip my calf in half? Like, is that, is that something that I could do? Um, because like it's the Olympic games. Like if this were any other race, I would have just bailed and been like, okay. Um, if it were Peyton Jordan or something, just a, an invite throughout the year, it wouldn't be something that I would run on. Like I would have just said, Hey, I tweaked my calf. Let's be smart. Um, there's a risk that I make this thing way worse. Um, and, uh, talked, talked it over with Jerry and I was like, okay, by the time I get to this call room, I have about 35 minutes till the gun goes off. Maybe in that 35 minutes of me just like standing around in these call rooms, um, this thing will kind of just go away. <laughs> it was wishful thinking, but I was like, maybe it'll just go away. Um, and he's like, okay, I trust you. Um, let's, uh, let's feel it out. But like, if you don't think it's right to race, I a hundred percent support it. And I was like, okay. Um, I didn't really want to make a decision until like literally I was going onto the track. Um, so as late as I could. Um, so yeah, walked over to the call room, um, was trying to hype myself up, <laughs> um, because <laughs> my confidence was kind of shot because of this calf. Um, I tried to do a stride right before going over there and it did not feel good. Um, not good at all. So, uh, get to the first call room. They take your credential. They check all your bib numbers. They check your front back, uh, your bag. Um, you have to pull out your spikes and they check, like do a full check of your spikes because there's regulations on, on types of spikes that you can wear. Um, then they walk you to a second call room, which is, I don't know. It's kind of a long walk. It was like maybe half a mile walk into the stadium. Um, yeah, it's kind of long. And you get to another call room, they check all your stuff again, they give you a transponder uh, to put in a little pocket on the backside of your bib uh, for splits, and uh, they check your spikes again, um, make sure you have everything that's, that's legal and correct, and uh, you put on your spikes. So put on my spikes and uh, try to stride, and again, I was like, that, that does not feel good. Um, Basically, like at that point, I was like, all right, screw it. Like it's, it's the Olympic games. I, I need to try. Um, if I mess this thing up and, and like potentially rip it, I'll just shut my season down. Um, I was probably going to take a break at some point anyway. Um, so I'll just end the season here if I like actually rip it. Um, which I wouldn't recommend that thought process to anyone else out there. Um, I was just kind of in a desperate situation because it was the Olympics. Um, and, uh, yeah, came out on the line, was still trying to hype myself up. Um, and, uh, did another stride out on the track and it, it was still grabbing. But, um, the last thing that Jerry said to me before I, I went into the call room was, Hey, if you, if you're going to race, you cannot think about that calf while you're racing. Like you have to shut it out. Um, and so, yeah, I got on the line and was like, all right no thinking about the calf. I'm going to shut it out. Um, if, if this thing goes, then it goes. Um, but I'm going to get out there and race and give it a shot. Like it, it would be pointless to get out there on a, on a bum calf and like half ass it. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get out there and race. And, um, thankfully the calf didn't blow up in the middle. I got very lucky. Um, but after the race, I couldn't cool down. Um, walking was quite painful. And, uh, I had certainly made it worse by racing. Um, thankfully I didn't completely rip it, 
but I I damaged it further for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I went back, got on the treatment table, and um, talked to our staff about whether or not I should race the final. And again, I was kind of like, let's just make as last minute a decision as possible. Um, I've got two off days until the final. Maybe it, it, it'll work itself out and like, I'll be good to race the final, but I don't want to make a decision until like literally warming up for the final. And they were like, all right, let's, uh, let's do it. And um, came up with a little treatment plan and, and away we went. Yeah, you posted on Instagram uh, in one of your like, kind of recapping posts of, of the 5k experience that you didn't run a step between the 5k prelim and the 5k final so <laughs> how, how how is that process kind of like it's two days of training it's not like that actually probably it's not like that changes anything with regards to your your fitness or your race ability hell it might even like low-key help <laughs> i mean you would probably have done what like a 30 minute run. Like, I, I don't know if you probably wouldn't have been putting in like an hour long run or anything like that. So it's not that much of a difference, but it is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, so, you know, talk to me about those two days and then also the day of the final, when you haven't run in a couple days, it probably doesn't feel good still. Uh, yeah. And all that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had two off days between the semi and the final. Um, and I was day to day, um, I went and saw our PT and, and did some exercises on the calf and spoke with uh, Jerry and our coaching staff. And um, the day after the semi, I thought there was no way I could line up for the final. Um, I'd made the calf much worse. It was swollen. Um, I had clearly like the, the muscle fiber just like it, it was all like jumbled up. You could feel it. Um, and it was locked up. It felt like my calf was just like a fist. Um, and uh, Colleen worked on it, you know, worked, worked her magic. We were talking to her. I was like, all right, let's just throw the kitchen sink at it. Like, let's, let's throw everything at this calf. Um, and uh, hopefully by the time uh, Friday rolls around, I'll be able to race. Um, I, there was no shot I was running that day, the, the day after the semi. Um, it was just like too painful. Um, and then we were kind of day to day. I was talking to, to Colleen. It was like, all right, let's do all of our treatment stuff. And then um, if we can run before the final, that's awesome. Otherwise, we'll just like warm up for the final and see. And um, each day it felt a little bit better. Um, it was certainly improving. And I think like all the treatment, the exercises, all of that was really helping. Um but by the time the day of the final rolled around, I was talking to Jerry and he's like, all right, are you going to shake out? Cause usually I shake out before evening races. And I was like, no, um, I, I, I had no, no, I didn't have much confidence in the calf. And, um, kind of like you said, there are no runs I was doing between the semi and the final were going to make me more fit. Um, and, and by not running, it's not like I was going to lose fitness that those runs were just would have been there just to like feel good. Um, maybe have the legs feel like a little more normal. Um, but yeah, man, I, I didn't know. Well, let's be honest about shakeout runs too, which I guess are valuable, but I feel like are as much a mental thing for evening races as they are anything else. They get, they get your legs moving. If that's a technical term, if there's a scientific technical term for that, that that's like more of a value. 
I mean, I feel like shakeouts largely, especially in college, uh, that's when I started doing them, have, have been like, okay, you're racing at 7 p.m. You got to do something early on in the day. Just kind of, you don't want to be sitting for like 15 <laughs> hours. But realistically, you probably could. Yeah, I mean, you could. Um, I know Woody doesn't like to do shakeouts. It, it's very individual. Personally, I view shakeouts as kind of like priming the body. Um, like, especially if you, you're just like laying around all day. I don't really feel good if I just lay around all day and then race. Um, I think it's good to get some blood flowing a little bit, just like, um, just kind of wake the body up if you've just been lazing around all day. So, um, I like shakeouts for that reason, but yeah, it was pointless to shake out for this one. Um, like, I guess it would have been nice to know if my calf was good to go, um, like not an hour before the competition. Uh, like if I shook out, maybe I would have had confidence in it like six hours before whenever I would have shake out, shaken out, but um, wasn't, wasn't really worth it. So, um, yeah, I mean, even the day of, um, I, I told the select few people that my calf was kind of messed up. Like I told, I told my parents, I told my girlfriend, I told you like, um, I'm honored. Yeah. To be in that small <laughs> yeah. Group an elite squadron. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, if, if I had to be honest, like the day of that race, if you asked me if I was going to be able to race or not, I probably would have said no. Um, like it just didn't feel great walking around still. Um, it was feeling better, but you know, there's walking around is, is completely different than running a championship 5k in spikes. So, um, I wanted to be realistic with myself. Like I was optimistic that I would be able to race, but, uh, if, if I had to have guessed on race day, like I would have expected that I wouldn't be able to race. So it was a welcome surprise when I, when I warmed up and it actually didn't feel that bad. Like it felt okay. It certainly didn't feel normal. Um, and I didn't feel very strong through my calf. Um, I felt like I was kind of running flat footed to avoid like really putting pressure on that calf, but it wasn't like as painful. It wasn't as twingy. It, it, it didn't feel like I was going to like rip it as bad as, um, it, it did like before the semi. So I had more confidence and, um, did my jog, talked to Jerry and was like, okay, um, pass that test. Um, feels okay. Let's try some drills. Did the drills. Um, it felt okay. Um, did some strides again. It felt okay. Like I still didn't have full confidence in it just cause it was still weak and still kind of painful. Um, but again, I was like, Hey, it's, it's the Olympics. Like I had the same attitude as the semi, um, you know, you don't get many shots at this. You don't like, I, I thought, I genuinely thought that I would regret it forever if I bailed on this final, um, and just didn't even give myself a shot. So, um, yeah, told Jerry I was going to do it. And, uh, got my stuff, walked to the call room and, um, yeah, got out there on the line and before you know it, you're racing. I think that's all fair. I definitely feel like you would have regretted not going for it. You, if the worst case outcome is shutting down the season, I also would imagine that once it feels better than the semi warm up did, there's no way you're not going. 
Because I feel like that's exactly where I would put myself. I'd be like, yo, I ran a 5K and it <laughs> felt worse than this and it's fine. And here's the thing. That's not like a linear thing. It's not like, oh, so this there's no way it can break. There's no way it can rip in half unless uh, it feels as bad as that one did. Because we're talking about sustained, like you're adding impact to something that's already been impacted. But I do feel like in that moment when if it feels better than it did a couple of days ago and you're able to race on it and it not rip, then you're probably like, I, I mean... How can I bail on it now? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, t- to be clear, I got very lucky in that semi that I didn't completely destroy this thing. Um, I certainly made it worse, but it, it didn't like blow up. Um, and like looking back to the final, I again got very lucky that that I didn't blow this thing up. Um, I had to take some time off after the final, um, but I'm able to run a bit now. Um, so that's good. But um yeah, I, again, if this were any other meet, like, for that final, I would have bailed. Um, it's just not worth it. Like, running injured is is risky. Um, not only for the injured part of your body, making that worse, but it also affects your stride, and it can put a lot of force through um, other areas of your body that aren't used to it if you're compensating. So it's just a risky endeavor. Um, and you know, the, the environment that I was in, the stakes of it, just the, the time you have to wait to potentially get to another Olympics. Um, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but nothing's guaranteed in the sport. So, um, yeah, I was kind of just like, let's, let's do it. Um, I'll, I, I knew the consequences, the potential consequences and kind of was, was okay with, with those things happening. Um, if that makes sense, like, not that I like wanted to rip my calf, but like I, I knew the risk and um, I felt like it was worth it to, to try and see. Two questions before we talk about the final. Yeah. First one, if you had to kick in the prelim, could you have? I don't know. Um, like, yeah, it's possible if I had to kick in that prelim. You still ran 59, I think, or 58 to close. So I'm not saying like... There was no kick, first of all. <laughs> but yeah, if you had to like get into that top five, could you have given it like that run at it? It's tough to say. Um, kind of like I said, I I was fatigued. Like I think I probably could have mustered the the pace out of myself um, to get up into that top five because I was like with them with you know two hundred to go, um, and then they kind of like pulled away. Um, I just I don't know how my calf would have handled it. Like, cause I would have had to do a gear shift, um, really got up on my toes and sprinted. Um, and that is kind of like when your calf is working the most, when you're up on your toes, like fatigued, um, giving it more of like an all out sprint rather than like a controlled sprint. So, um, I mean, that was lucky in itself that I was in, in the second heat where I didn't have to do that. The first seat I for sure would have had to kick hard, um, just cause I, I needed to be in the top five and. I didn't know what the time qualifiers at that point were if, if I were in the first heat. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really have an answer there. Like I would hope that I would have been able to, but like there were just so many unknowns. I, I don't really know. And then the other thing, I, I think that's a fair answer. First of all, I th- the other thing is, um, what do you, in these two days is the only thing you can think about your calf these three days, really. Or are you able to, especially in the village where it's very isolating, the reason you're there is to run this race, your, your computer may or may not be dead, we don't know. I, 
are you able to think about, are you able to do anything else, think about anything else, like in a helpful way, or are you just locked in? And how do you feel like the mental side of that went for you? Yeah, you know, it's hard. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was hard to not think about my calf, just constantly evaluating it, constantly like thinking about it, um, constantly wanting to like stretch it or do like a calf raise or like touch it to like evaluate where it is. Um, Like I, I tried not to do those things. um, But, you know, sometimes like just like, yeah, it's too hard not to think about those things. Um, Yeah. I was weighing all of my options um, thinking about like if it'd be worth it to race. Um, It's so hard. Like, like I, I didn't want to make a decision on whether or not I was going to race until I warmed up for the final, but it's hard not to speculate when you're just like sitting there in the village, um, getting ready for the Olympic final. Um, it was certainly frustrating. The timing of it couldn't have been worse really. Um, like I've dealt with that calf thing before and I know how to get rid of it. And it only takes about like five days. I've, I've gotten like, I've got the formula down on how to fix my calf strains, but I didn't have five days. Like I had two days. Um, it would have been great if I had five days before the final, but that's, that's, you know, that's not how the cards fell. So, um, I was kind of frustrated, like looking back on everything I did leading up to the semi, like thinking if I did something wrong that caused my, my calf to, to strain. Um, and like, yeah, it, it was frustrating. Um, it's kind of in my own head a bit, just like trying to figure out what, what the next move was. Um, yeah, I, I knew I had the, the support of my coaches, whether or not I raced, I knew I had the support of my family and friends, whether or not I raced. Um, but there is a sense of like not wanting to let people down that kind of hung, hung over me. Um, I know some more like high profile Olympians and other sports spoke about this, like during the Olympics, but there is a lot of pressure. And, um, like, even though I wasn't expected to medal or anything, there's still like an expectation, like a pressure that you feel of just like not wanting to let people down like back home that are cheering and stuff. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of emotions like trying to deal with all that stuff. Um, but yeah, tried to take my mind off it as best I could, like just going to the dining hall with the guys, like watching some of the other sports, um, just hanging out. So, um, yeah, you can't think about that stuff all, all day long because it'll kind of drive you crazy. For sure. Let's, let's, I assume you go into the final with the same advice Jerry gave you for the semi, which is you're racing. You can't think about this. You're not now, now we got to race. So with that in mind, moving into the actual race itself, a really honest 5k from the jump, uh, were you prepared? I mean, you're prepared for that either way, I guess, but was that something you expected? And then talk me through that first, like little bit, first mile, first half of the race where it's like, Oh shit, this is not really slowing down that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jerry had the same advice going into the final, like you said, just like, you cannot think about this thing. Um, if you're going to race, you need to race. Um, and, uh, actually it was a little easier to focus on that this time because my calf actually felt better in the final than it did in the semi. Um, the semi, I could feel my calf every step, like, like twinging. Um, like I could feel where I had hurt it and like, I could feel where, it was weak and like painful. 
Um, in the final, I could feel those things again. It just wasn't as intense. So it was a little easier to just lock in. Um, but yeah, the race got out hot. Um, I wanted to get out well, put myself in the, in the front half of the race. Um, and, uh, got out nicely. I think I tucked in behind Chepta guy, um, for a little bit. He was kind of making the pace honest for the first, like maybe two, three laps, um, before settling back. And yeah, I realized fairly quickly that this was going to be a grind. Um, it wasn't going to be a, a 1330 race. I, I knew pretty early on that we were going to run, you know, pretty close to 13 flat. Um, and it was clear that people didn't want the kickers around. Um, people wanted this to be like an honest assessment of how good are you at a 5k and not like, how good are you at running like a 400 at the end of a 5k? Um, so yeah, the pace was hot. Um, people were switching off leads. I just tried to stay smooth and stay in lane one, um, not fight any battles, like minimize the amount that I was accelerating and decelerating just like cause of my calf. Um, but also just like from an energy conservation perspective, um, there's guys jostling, like there's very accomplished runners coming up next to you, like trying to tuck in in front of you. Um, like international racing is just more aggressive than domestic racing that I've found at least. Um, people are just like, polite's not the word, but like maybe just a little more respectful of each other from like uh, a racing perspective in the U S internationally. If someone wants your spot, like they'll try to take it, like they'll try to bump you, like elbow you, like try to take it. Um, so you have to be a little more like on your guard kind of at all times. Um, and, uh, that's just like the style internationally. Like it's just a more physical style I found. Um, so yeah, trying to defend my position, stay in a good spot. Um, and uh, the, the race hurt. Um, I was quite tired. Like I wasn't as fatigued as, as the semi, but I think I was still holding some of it in my legs and um, just told myself like, hang on, just, just be durable, um, survive all of these moves, this hot pace and um, survive as long as you can and then kick at the end was kind of my race plan. Uh, pretty simple, uh, honestly. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the, the first half and even like most, most of the way through like the second mile. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing watching it with Josh on our live stream thing was you really did a good job of surviving. I think this was different from the 10 K because you weren't in the top five the whole way. And it seemed like, especially after like the halfway point of the race, the two mile mark, you were one of the back guys in the lead group pretty consistently, but you also were never not attached until you finally weren't attached <laughs> anymore. There was, there was even a couple moments where like, it looked like, Oh, it might start to unwind right here. And then you would like latch, latch back in from the back. So, you know, obviously it gets hard pretty early in a race that honest, but how are you like mile to go, right? When it's, when it is kind of cutting down and you know, it's honest, you know, it's been fast and you're able to make some like brave choices to stay in the group for as long as you can. Like, where's that coming from? And are you thinking at all about, Hey, I've still got to find a way to finish off of this or is just, Hey, I'm breaking this down to 200 <laughs> meters at a time. Um, yeah. So I, I was, I was grinding from quite a long ways out. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't really comfortable at any point in that race. Like it was, it was a grind. Um, 
And I wasn't thinking much at the time. Like I was just thinking to myself, like, stay attached, stay attached. Um, you know, looking back, probably the smarter way to have run to maximize what I had on the day would have been more like, um, pace yourself a little bit better. Um, but I wasn't going to voluntarily let those guys go. Like, um, I was going to give it everything I had. And then if I, if I popped and blew up, then, then so be it. Um, which was actually what happened. Uh, I, I stayed in it as long as I could. Um, I think it was somewhere around like 800 meters when like a real gap formed. And I, that was when they really started going to be fair. Yeah. They started going and I, I blew up. Um, that was one of the worst blowups I've ever had in a race. Uh, and, uh, like, yeah, it was so painful. Just like blew up into a 1308. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Which is like not that far off of your actual. Right, yeah. Um, and like slogged it away to, to get ninth in the race. But, um, I, th- I think the leaders, yeah, I, I had heard Mo closed in 152, um, which is moving. Uh, I must sub four last mile for him and yeah, or at least last 1600, you know, closing a sub 13 race championship style in under four minutes. Uh, and with a 152 last 800 is, is pretty, pretty nice. Um, those numbers are like absurd. Every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, very nice race. Um, and yeah, I just didn't have it. Um, I completely blew up and tied up and gave it everything I had to, to run what I did. But, um, those guys were just on another level. They had gears and, and stamina that I just didn't have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I finished that race, man, and I had nothing left. Um, I gave everything I had and, you know, walking away from all of those races, um, it was honestly a good feeling. Like I literally gave everything. I gave everything like aerobically, mentally, um, physically, like walked away with an injury. Um, like that was everything I had. And you know, you can't be disappointed at all in yourself when you feel that way. Um, it's, it, it, you know, I was feeling exhausted, but I was, I was happy with just like leaving everything out there. Like when you get those feelings, um, it's honestly a good feeling whether the result is, is good or bad. Like just knowing that there's nothing more you could have given. Um, it's honestly kind of a good feeling. Also a 10th of a second in front of Mangesha to lock <laughs> up ninth instead of 10th, which you always love to see that <laughs> the, the little margins right there, picking up a spot, at the line, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty scrappy kick at the end. We were both, both me and that guy were tying up bad. Um, you know, fighting it out for like ninth and 10th place. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting race. Like, you know, that's my second fastest time I've ever run. Um, and I did it with a massive blow up, um, in my third race of, of the week. So I, I was very happy with, with the result. Um, would have been nice to be in that pack front pack, maybe with a lap to go and see how I could mix it up. But I just wasn't in the cards that day. I mean, it's just one of those things where you would, I mean, especially, especially, it's not even a question, the Olympics or Olympic final, but really in a lot of championship races or races where, you know, there's prize money involved, races where you're not necessarily just trying to PR or hit a standard. It's so, like, everything you're saying about, I would rather go with it and blow up than maximize my day with, like, the fastest time I could have run. Because if the fastest time you could run that day was around 13 flat, you still wouldn't have medaled. Yeah. 
you know, you'd still have had the sub. So, and, and there's, there's truly no value in like a one second PR in that race for you. If it's, if it's fifth or sixth instead of, instead of, you know, getting on the podium or blowing up, if, if by doing that one second PR, you, you concede the medals before it even starts. Right. And obviously there was never really a path for you to like fade off of the lead group and still be running about that same pace. Like there weren't pace groups or anything. You had to stick on it, but there, I mean, there's no doubt that that's the way you have to race the Olympic final or just a lot of these championship star races. You can't be any, and you know, whether it's to people listening who have like their state meets this fall or, or anything on that level, like if it's a championship style race, like there's no true value in, in like letting leaders go. If you could be up there, uh, I guess, unless you have a team title to protect <laughs> and, and then you got to evaluate and judge yourself on the day. But if you're gunning for something on an individual basis here, like there's, you might as well hang on for as long as you can and blow up. I feel like also, I mean, you can still take a lot of pride in like you being there with 800 to go and you know, the 10 K you being there until like literally 200 to go a one fifty to go in the medals. It was definitely those margins, right. From being there at the end of the race are, are, are shrinking. Yeah. I mean, you know, people say like, Hope so. just put yourself in there. Like even if things don't go as well as you want, like if you put yourself out there and put yourself in it, and you do that every single time, eventually you'll be able to put yourself in there and you'll like be okay. Like you'll, you'll compete. Um, you know, there's very few people that the first time they get to that type of stage are able to compete with the world's best, like off the bat. So, um, yeah, I was happy. I put myself in it. You, you did that in the 10 K and, and you, and realistically you did that in the five, not at the very end, but like, you 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 were one of those guys. 100%. Yeah, and so that's got. And it's crazy, like looking back just a year ago, um, where I was, and you know now talking about being in an Olympic final, like that was out of the cards a year ago. Um, I just wasn't in shape for it. Um, you know, I yeah, I wasn't that class of runner at the time, um, and it's crazy how much can change in a year. Um, like last year, I thought, yeah, it would have been a stretch to have made the Olympic team if the Olympics had been held in 2020. Um, so I was really fortunate, honestly, for them to be postponed because it allowed me to, A, make a team and B, like compete in two Olympic finals. Um, if I would have missed out on that opportunity a year ago, um, you know, it, that like, that would change my career to some extent. You know, th- these were like somewhat changing my uh, career trajectory being in these Olympic finals and being able to compete with these guys um, from the perspective of, you know, now I've, you know, burst onto the international scene. Um, Last year I hadn't really run internationally at all. Um, I've seen the the top guys in the world. Um, I've seen what they can do. I've seen what uh, it takes to win a medal. and it makes me really, really excited for, for training going forward and um, for the future years of my career. And I wouldn't have been able to see that firsthand if, if I didn't make a team last year. So um, it is crazy. Just like, I feel like I'm just like a totally different athlete than I was um, just a year ago, physically and mentally. Um, and uh, that, that's a cool feeling. Um, and I, I count my blessings, you know, I, I got quite fortunate there. Um, but I, I hope that 
I made the most of, of the opportunity and um, I think it'll serve me well in the future. A lot can happen in a year. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, as you're saying. And then I will, I will push back though. I think that you still would have gotten a little bit of that up close and personal experience with the world's best, just considering what Mo was able to do in this 5k, right? The silver medal, he gets his Olympic medal. We obviously talked for a long time in this pod, but you've probably talked to him pretty much every day. Um, talk to me a little bit about Mo getting silver in the five from any direction you want. <laughs> I don't care. You can talk about what 152 is like. You can talk about why you think he was able to do it. The only thing I'd throw in first is you guys finished basically side by side in this 10K. And I was thinking that his ability to come back in the 5K and be a little bit like, I think that it was pretty clear that you'd raced a really hard 10K. And I think potentially, I mean, I think it's fair to say maybe gone to the well deeper than even Mo was able to in that 10. I mean, like that was the deepest you'd gone, it seemed like, in that 10K. And it seems like with age, I mean, he's a veteran. He's been through those types of doubles way more than you have, I guess, those triples. Um, He was able to have a level of freshness that you did not have going into the 5K final. Would you say that? And if that is the case it seems like that's just a little bit of like a veteran thing that you develop the more you race them uh, or maybe the more years of training you stack on each other or like, where do you think that comes from? And do you think that that's one of the big reasons he was able to kind of pop off after already running the 10? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say a couple of reasons. Um, you know, first of all, in that 10 K Mo went for the win. Um, he went for it. He went to the front and threw down some very hard laps and tried to break the field. Um, and unfortunately couldn't, and uh, kind of tied up to sixth. Um, he wasn't very happy after that 10K because um, he wanted a medal. He, I mean, he tried to win the race. Um, he had his eyes on a medal and, and came up short. Um, and so after the 10K, he was he was fired up for that five. Um, he wanted a medal even, even more at that point. Um, and, you know, I was so stoked for him to, to get his Olympic medal because He's been close. He was fourth in Rio. Um, he's been just out of the medals many times, more often than he's been in the medals. Um, he got a medal in Doha, but that's the only time he was, he's actually medaled. And he's been in the conversation. He's been in it with, you know, 100 to go many times and just come up short. So to see him get that medal was, was awesome. He was so excited and he totally deserved it. Um, I'd say the, the reason why he was able to bounce back a little better than me is he's just way stronger than me. Um, Mo just has uh, more strength than I do. He's been in the game longer. He has more miles in his legs. Um, he's just like aerobically more strong than me. And I think you're able to bounce back a little bit better from hard efforts when you're that way. Um, whereas like, I mean, you heard me talk the, the day after the, the 10K. I was <laughs> depleted, man. Like I, like I was, I was so drained. Um, and, uh, I think Mo, Mo was obviously also tired, but when you have that type of strength, you, you bounce back from these things a little quicker. Um, so I would attribute to that. I mean, he was also very, very fired up for it. And like, you have to put in a lot of work to be able to recover like quickly enough to, to be able to compete, um, in, in your second event. So He's definitely put in the time, put in the work, and uh, I've I've got plenty of time to, to sort that stuff out too. Um, but I mean, so excited for him. Um, 
I mean, that was a great race. He closed incredibly well, um, was closing even on Chepta guy kind of at the end. Um, and I thought that was a, a well-deserved silver. Um, you know, that seeing how hard that guy works, like he definitely deserves it. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. We're going to have to get him in to talk about it uh, <laughs> sometime soon for sure. So I'm sure that we're going to have a lot more to cover about the Olympics. Uh, we're going to want to go over the 10K, I think, in a little bit more detail when you're not just absolutely drained uh, like we were maybe in the previous pod, just depleted, as you said. And even now, I feel like we're still we're still on the road back to, to full full energy. I think that's fair to say, probably. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. So we'll definitely hit those. I also would definitely love to open up... Uh, open this up to kind of listener questions just about the Olympics more broadly. Cause obviously this was different from any Olympics previously, but it is such an incredible experience that you got to have going and representing the States. So I think that we'll do some sort of Instagram question thing, uh, on the half step pod after this episode drops where you guys can submit your questions for grant about the Olympics that you might have. Uh, I think that could be kind of the next solid episode, you know, more in-depth recapping if there's anything we love to talk about and answering all your guys' listener questions that will primarily be about the beds in Tokyo because it seems like that was the main thing. Uh, but yeah, because we're definitely not done talking about the last week and a half of Grant's life, but we are kind of done for today, I think. The only <laughs> the only residual question that we, that we got left is, what's next? The calf, you said, is doing better and that we're running again. Uh, Pre-Classic is in not that long, right? And a lot of your yeah, teammates are um, racing that. What's the deal? Pre-Classic is next weekend. Um, and uh, I'm currently entered. Um, I've kind of been entered for the, the past while, but um, currently entered. Um, not 100% sure if I'm in a race or not, but I'm, I think I might. Um, my calf actually came off this race not too bad. I took like three days off after the final. Um and started like jogging lightly after, um, after those days, but it feels, it actually feels pretty strong. Um, it's, it's coming along. I, I don't think it's quite a hundred percent. I, I haven't worked out or done anything actual, like strenuous, actually strenuous on the calf. Um, but I've been able to easy run, uh, a little bit. So, um, I've got to work out this Friday, so that'll be about a week before the race, and I want to kind of test the calf and see where it's at. If if it's not 100%, there's no way I'm going to race. Um, I think if, like, there's no point in, like, pushing my luck further. Um, like I mentioned, I've gotten pretty lucky at this point, so there's no need to run on a, like, not right calf and, and injure myself now. Um, so if it's not 100%, I probably won't race, but... If it feels good, um, I'm still thinking about racing. Uh, there's a very good two mile being set up there. So that could be fun to, to race. Um, but yeah, honestly, I'll probably make another late decision. That's what this will be. Like I've been day to day with this calf ever since the final, just like, yeah, it racing on it certainly made it worse. Um, but it didn't completely destroy it. So, um, yeah, I've been getting treatment on it doing uh doing all my exercises and uh trying to get it right but um we'll see i, I i'm so i'm very surprised at how quickly it's recovered um i thought i would have done more damage but um just got lucky 
and you're strong. I mean, like, like, like strength begets strength, though. I mean, the biggest thing with injuries that I found is, like, when you're coming out of a long period of injury, you don't have the muscle buildup to withstand the next hiccup, whereas you've been healthy relatively continuously for years here, and you're faced with something that feels like a big... Not, I mean, sometimes they will be big deals either way, but, like, you know, your body is very... You've definitely got this built up and are have a lot of strength built in there. Maybe not quite mo level strength yet, but like, <laughs> like right there. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's luck, but also it seems like you're doing everything you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do. Um, yeah. Do everything you can. So yeah, I'll, I'll continue evaluating this calf. Um, again, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty surprised that it's actually bounced back decently quickly. Um, but kind of like I mentioned earlier, right. I do know how to fix this, this injury, um, just cause it's happened before. So, um, yeah, uh, thankfully like the, the super high pressure stuff is over. Like the Olympics are as high pressure as it's going to get. So, mm-hmm. um, everything from here on out is just kind of like having fun, you know, like having a good time doing what I love. Um, and, uh, yeah, if I end up racing, that's awesome. If I don't, um, you know, it was, it was a great season. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm sure by the next time we talk, um, and put out an episode, I'll know for sure if I'm racing or not. Yeah. And so we will let you guys know pretty classic yeah. though. Diamond league, right? It is diamond league. Yeah. That'd, that'd be my first diamond league if I do it. Oh, well, I mean, geez, don't push yourself, but at the same time, it'd be <laughs> fun to get one in yeah. at home pretty much. Yeah. Eugene, Oregon. Second home. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not even second home. Park City is probably second home. Tokyo right. might be third home. I don't even know. It's one of the homes. That's exciting. Hey, I'm going to let you... I don't know if you're going to go to sleep. It's 425 in the afternoon. I don't know what I don't know what the rest of the schedule looks like as you continue to adjust back in normal time. But uh, I'm going to let you go either way. Cause yeah, I think I'm going to take a nap, man. Yeah, we're still, <laughs> we're still recovering for sure. But thanks for jumping on, and we will have more recapping and Tokyo stuff and pre-classic stuff for all you guys next week on the Half Step Pod. Be sure to send us some questions when we do the Instagram poll, or just DM us. We'll see those anyway. We read all of them. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening to our episode, and we'll catch you next week on the Half Step Pod. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later.